Welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sorry for my tardiness. For some reason, the internet was um, kind of acting funky. Uh, but we are with you again, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on TikTok Live. Certainly thankful for everyone who's joining the show thus far. And hope that you're having a fantastic start to the weekend. It is free, Feel Good Friday. And so we're grateful to be among you and hope that we're able to be a jump start to your day and your weekend. We're going to start off with a word of prayer and then we're going to listen to a tape that was put together by Courageous um I can't see the can't see the name of it right now but it's um Courageous I think it's Courageous project or something like that um, um brought to you by the Jude 3 project. Um so we're going to play a tape from them and then we're going to jump into uh, our word coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh so again, thank you guys for joining in. Feel free to like, share, comment. Uh feel free to drop down in that comment box below and comment any questions, concerns, um or any uh, anything that you want to know, any questions you might have for the show, uh, feel free to drop down in that comment box below and ask us anything that you would like to know here on the True Gospel Morning Show. But we're going to start off with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for gathering us here together to give your name praise, glory, and honor through this morning show. We ask that, God, you just illuminate our hearts on today. Help us to... Uh, be edified, to be strengthened, and to be encouraged in everything that we, we in everything that we say and do on today. Allow us to rest in the power of the Holy Spirit that leads and guides and um, teaches us all truth and leads us on the path of righteousness for Your name's sake. Uh, we thank your son, Jesus Christ, who made all this possible by dying on the cross and rising again, that we may have uh, the right to the tree of life, that we may have life and have it more abundantly, that, that we may um, have the forgiveness of sins and uh, the, the cleansing of our souls, Lord God. We're so thankful that you thought it not robbery to love us in such a way that you laid down your life for us. Lord God, we're so thankful and just give your name all praise, glory, and honor. We ask that this show be lifted up to you on today, that it be none of me and all of you. Uh, we thank you for 
the agency, Lord God, that has come through for us on today um, and is aligning um, aligning themselves with us on today and ask that they be strengthened and they be encouraged and um, that they guide us to just having more people to see this show and, and others like it and uh, be just edified and, um, and be grow curious about you. Lord God, we're asking for every unbeliever that touches these, uh, that touches this live show on today, that they may grow curious to know about you, to to allow us to impart a word onto them to them today that 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 may be the seed that's planted in their hearts to grow curious about you and to want a relationship with you. We love them because you first loved us, and so we ask that you just allow us to just be the light that shines in the darkness, that they may grow to love you, bless you, and honor you as we do. And we'll be so careful to give your name praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, so, um, the Jew 3 Project just recently put out a class, and I can't see the bottom name of the class on, on this screen. Uh, but the, 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 the topic that they were bringing up was a very great topic. And so I wanted to bring it up with us today talking about the reasons why people are no longer going to church. And so I wanted to bring this up today and that's going to be our kind of our discussion for this morning. Before I play the tape, I want to read the scripture coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse number 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make it not would that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the, the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. And then he goes on to talk about love, and you know how that goes, man, the love of chapters just bomb.com but we'll get into that right now so i'm going to play the tape and then we're going to get into our discussion this morning
last year, we saw three out of five Christians, Christians, have decided we're not going to church. They say, I haven't been to church in the last six months or haven't been at all in the last year. I mean, this is the highest percentage of African Americans not going to church. And you say, well, why aren't you going to church? 101 different reasons. Misogyny in the church, abuse in the church. The top three was the way the church talks about money, the way the people in the congregation treated me, and the way the pastor leads. By and large, those were the three reasons. So I would say we need to cultivate relationships, number one, where people can be redeemed and restored. If you were hurt by someone, you actually do need someone else to help you heal. It's counterintuitive. But you do need someone to come alongside you and bring, usher in God's healing. But secondly, we need to create spaces in the church where it's okay to ask questions. The disciples asked Jesus some of the craziest questions. But... They knew that they could do that. Jesus, who's going to be first in the kingdom? Lord, what, are you, what are you talking about in these parables we don't understand? Why are you sleeping? Aren't you, don't you recognize that we're about to die? They had safety in the relationship to ask questions. So it makes me wonder what would it look like for people with doubts to ask a question about the way that money is raised in a church? Is there a way for them to do that? Or is it just, you're just supposed to give and not ask a question? Is there a way for them to ask questions about ordination? Who gets ordained and who doesn't? Where's the space for that to happen? Is there a space for them to say, I came in the church, I was cussed out. It, like, where do they bring their issues, their concern? So I think it's relational, and I think it's about creating spaces where people can bring their doubts and their fears and authentically ask really meaningful questions. So, my wife and I um, have experienced a lot of church hurt over the past several years. Um, and part of the reason why we experienced a lot of that church hurt is because we ask questions. Um, a lot of churches, especially here in the Bible Belt South, have this un- uh, this 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 unbiblical rule of touch not my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm and they take that and they abuse that by saying that if you ask a question of anybody then you are questioning God himself and because of that we experience a lot of church hurt over the years you know, when we question why are we why do why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Why why are we, you know, why do we have to, you know, wear white on, you know, the first Sunday, you know, during for communion? You know, why do we have to um, you know, why do we have to stand in the front of the church? Why do we have to, you know, tithe when, you know, clearly the book of Hebrews says that Jesus paid the final tithe. So why are we having to pay tithes to the church? You know, why do we have to, you know, have the pulpit be exactly where it is? And why can't women preach in it? You know, why is it that we, you know, why, we asked a bunch of questions, a bunch of questions. And every time we asked a question or, or had a line of questioning, people would end up feeling as if we were aligning ourselves against God by asking questions. Questions that basically, you know, um, brought scrutiny to church government, 
brought scrutiny to the leadership, brought scrutiny to the organization, brought scrutiny to the denomination that we were a part of. And every time we bucked up against those systems by asking those questions to figure out why are we doing things that are misaligned to scripture, why are leaders doing things that are contrary to what scripture teaches and preaches? Why, you know, is it that, you know, um, you know, sister so-and-so can get away with saying whatever she's saying or brother so-and-so can get away with saying whatever he's saying and I can't do nothing about it because he's a deacon or he's a pastor or, you know, he, she's a sister or she's running this or this, this ministry or whatever. Why is it that I can't, you know, why I can't, why I can't say you know, what it is that I want to, um, why it is that I want to, you know, you know, do, do, why is it they're able to do what they want to do and get away with it? And it's contrary to the scriptures. It's contrary to what we see here in our text. Like, why? Why are we allowing that to be here? Why are we, why, why are we doing this? And because of the questions that we ask, again, we've experienced a lot of church hurt over the years. And it is a it is a plague that has transmitted all throughout various churches where we're not allowed or we, we've been we've been hit with this idea that the higher you are in ministry or the higher that you that uh, that we that you are as a um, as a as a person in the church, the less touchable you are. And if you're not touchable, then it means that we can't grow together as the body of Christ. I said this last week, that we as the believers in God, regardless of what position you play in your church, we as the believers in God need to know our Bibles better than our pastors do. Not because we need to get up and preach and teach but because we need to hold everybody accountable, including ourselves, to the word of God. So much so that if your pastor or your teacher or whoever is teaching something that is contrary to whatever it is that God is saying in his word, we ought to be able to call it out, to do it in a way in love, but to call it out nonetheless. A lot of people, to get to the point, are no, are no longer tolerating being a part of churches where they see outright wrong in the church and just sitting there and taking it. That when 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 it said, you know, I don't like the way that the pastor is talking about money, that's people saying I'm fed up with these pastors talking about every week, pay your tithes, pay your tithes. God's going to get you that bag. God's going to bless you exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask a thing. You're going to be the head and not the tail. Eyes haven't seen when clearly scripture is not prescribing that we're going to be rich beyond our wildest imaginations. Where the pastors are riding around in Rolls Royces and flying on private jets and jet setting all over the place while we as the believers in God are, 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 you know, are, you know, struggling from paycheck to paycheck. Now, again, it's not to say that they can't have those things, but if they're getting those things off the backs of their congregation, that's problematic. And people are saying, I'm fed up with that. I'm fed up with every church that I go to. All they want to talk about every Sunday is money. When 
Christ ain't sit up there preaching about money every Sunday. Peter didn't preach about, about money. Paul didn't preach about money. They preached about souls being set free and delivered and, you know, and, and, and getting away from the riches of this world and having riches in heaven through love, joy, peace, the fruit of the spirit and all that. Where's the teachings on all of that? It seems like every week all we're talking about is pay your tithes, pay your tithes, pay your tithes. Like, dude, when are we going to talk about the stuff that matters? When are we gonna get away from all these earthly matters like the like the word tells us? Like like we our minds should not be on anything on this world. It should be our eyes should be set on Christ. That are that if we've been raised with Christ, we should set our minds on things above where He is, and not on things of the earth. Where things that were that are this light momentary affliction, it pales in comparison to the surpassing worth of the weight of the eternal glory that that's coming for us. But we spend so much time talking about money, talking about getting rich, talking about being, you know, um, blessed beyond wildest dreams. Eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, taking that out of context. And so people are fed up with that. And people are waking up to it. You know, thanks be to God for technology, for TikTok, for the pandemic, for, you know, all for, for um, you know, giving us the ability to be able to hear the truth. Sometimes, some of us for the first time ever and realizing I, don't, I ain't got to go back to that. I don't have to subject myself to that. I don't have to keep listening to this pastor say over and over and over again, give me money, give me money, give me money. As I said before, it's one thing to, to tell people the truth. Like, yes, we got to pay these bills. You know, we got a mortgage. We got lights. We got, you know, um, salaries and all those things we need. We, 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 Y'all help us, you know, to make this thing happen. Like, it's one thing to tell people the truth. But when all you're doing is saying God's going to bless you exceedingly, God's going to bless you abundantly. We got the $1,000 line. We got the $50 line. We got the $100 line. You know, get in line and, and pay these blessings and, and get and, and sow your seeds. Instead of telling people the truth, like, listen, we got these bills. Please help. Please donate in whatever way you can so that way we can keep this church open and operating. I bet you people would be more willing to give if you would be up front with them. But instead, we want to wrap it up in Christianese, not realizing that the tithing system was abolished and only brought back, you know, sometime within, you know, the uh, sometime way after the Roman Catholic Church was established so that people could pay mortgages because the state was talking to was telling the churches, y'all got too much land and we need some of that money off that land. But that's another story for another day. The point is, you got so many people that are fed up with that. Like, no, it's not biblical, it's not scriptural, and you're and y'all are wrapping all this stuff up and making it seem like this is what we're supposed to be doing when no, it couldn't be further from the truth. And so, again, here it is people are saying, I, I'm not going back because every church that I've been to, same, same song, different day. That train is never late. Here come the money train, and I don't have to put up with that because God supersedes all of that. We, we, He supersedes all of that. That's number one. The number the, the number two reason they said is because um and let me get back to the notes because I'm I don't want to mix it up because of the way the um way the congregation treated me, and so like we have said many times before, you have a lot of churches that say you know come as you are, come as you are, come as you are, but the second you come in as you are, you don't need to come in like that. You don't need to come in like that. I can't believe you dress like that. I can't believe you got your short skirt on and you got the audacity to sit on the front row. Don't you realize you enticing the pastor with your shirt, with your short, with your short skirt? 
Oh my God, I can't believe you smell like that. You smell like weed. You came in the church smelling like weed. I can't believe that. How dare you do that? You know, oh my God, you got them noisy kids. You bringing all them noisy kids with you. You couldn't go someplace else that got a that got a um that got a children's ministry. All them you need to be them them babies need to be quiet. Don't they realize the pastor's preaching right now? You can't shut them up. I can't believe they let that person sing in the choir. Don't they know what she did last week? I can't believe they let that person play on the piano. Don't they know that that, that person was what that person was last time? And so on repeat we see, on repeat we see. That, you know, we have so many people who come as you are, come as you are, come as you are. But then when they come as they are, we, we cast so much judgment on them. And some of us have the audacity to judge them in their faces and then wonder why ain't nobody coming? Why don't nobody want to come to the church? Had a lady of the past of, 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 of a church that I pastored before. Where she was so upset that only five people showed up to a to a um to a um to a, a gathering, an annual gathering, where the the time before we had 60, 70, 80 people show up. And she was like, I just don't understand why nobody came. I said, Do you realize how we treated people this year? Do you realize how many people we ostracized this year? They they came in, but then we treated them like crap. And they no, had people join the church. Wanted to give their lives to Christ. I'm talking about these were new new believers. And the second they, they came in, the, the finger pointing. Finger pointing. I can't believe she wore that to come to church. I can't believe she was smelling like that coming to church. I can't believe they brought all them babies in church. Never saw them again. Never saw them again. And had the audacity, I don't understand why they ain't coming. What you think? And people are fed up with that. They're like, if, this, if the church is supposed to be the one place where I can be vulnerable, where I can be safe, where I can be myself, where I can, you know, figure out, you know, how to how to get my soul straight, how to, you know, how to walk in in Christian love and how to, you know, how to build, you know, build up my spirit, man. If this is the place where I can expose my demons, expose the issues, expose the problems. And tell somebody about what I've been struggling with and what I've been going through. And they can lovingly lead me to the cross. Lovingly lead me to Jesus. If this is supposed to be the place where that's happening, then I might as well go back to the streets. Because the streets treated me better than this. I might as well go back to the crack house. The crack house treated me better than this. Might as well go back to the brothels. Might as well go back to the, uh, to the hotels. They treated me better than this. I might as well go back to my job and depend on my job. My job treated me better than this. But might as well go back to my um to, to the go back to the to the alcohol. Go back to the bars. The bars treated me better than this. It's a sad day where you can go to the bar and be treated infinity percent better than the church. It's a sad day where you can go to the crack house and be treated infinity percent better than you are at the church. It's a sad day. When a lot of your when a lot of your gangs will treat you so much better than your churches do. But that's why people are saying I'm fed up. I'm fed up. I'm not going back to a church where these people are so mean, so hard hearted, so calloused that they're unwilling to help me. They're unwilling to be there for me, unwilling to let me figure this God thing out. 
figure this Jesus thing out. Allow me the space to do that. And as a result, they're saying, I ain't got to go back. I'm very content with just listening to the pastor on Sunday, online. I ain't never got to set foot again. If I give, I can give online. I ain't never got to set foot in the church ever again. And people wonder, why ain't people coming back to church? Because they tired, they tired of people. Tired of people, you know, judging them, thinking that they've arrived. Instead of being humble and saying, thank God, come on in. Let's let's lovingly lead you. Let's stand, let's guard, let's go, go, go walk alongside you and lovingly lead you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Yeah, we all struggle. We all been there. We all gone there. We all, all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're not judged here. But no, we get so, but we get so, you know, uh, lofty in our thinking and we get so haughty in our spirits that if a person comes in that don't look like us or don't think like us or don't feel like us, I don't know. Mm -mm, I don't know. You see what they got on? I don't know. You see what they smell like? See what his hair look like? The gold's in his mouth? I don't know. See that sh that dress, that shirt she got on, got all her goodies showing. She need to cover that up. She know better than that. You forget where God brought you from? No, that's why people are not, no, they no longer want to come to church. And then you have, again, the third reason, because of leadership. The ones who are supposed to have our backs, the ones who are supposed to be shepherding us, our pastors and our deacons, and our deaconesses, and you know, and our elders, you know, whatever type of con um, you know, um, church organization, however y'all got it set up, but they're supposed to be the ones who's supposed to be, you know, tending to the sheep. But they be some of the very ones that are ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing, just, just, just decimating the congregation, decimating the sheep. You know, you go to the pastor and you want to talk to the pastor about, you know, this, that, and the third. And here they are, you know, man, just, just pray. That's it? Yeah, just pray. You got to pray about that. You don't have to pray on that. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Or you tell them about what's going on and all they, and they don't, they, they don't address the issue or the person that the issue is about. Instead, they just sweep it under the rug. Or you make one little mistake. And they're wanting to kick you out of the church. But Deacon so-and-so been making mistakes for years. And ain't nobody calling him out. Because he's a great tither. Because his name, because he was one of the found, one of the great, he's a great, 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 great grandson of the founder of the church back in 1847. And so... We have these, so we have these, these moments and, you know, these, these, these pastors who are very, very, you know, unwilling to step in the fray for their, for the congregations. And as a result, people are fed up with that. They're tired and they don't want to go back to it. Can you blame them? They don't want to go. They don't want to subject themselves to that again. And they're in, and we're, and we're in a, we're in a place now where, more, more, more by and large, we're realizing that our relationship with God is not tethered to a local congregation, and that, and it's sad because we need the local body of believers in order to undergird one another, strengthen one another, encourage one another, be there for one another, pray for one another, you know, strengthen one another, but 
by and large, a lot of people have said, I can't go back to that if that's what I'm going back to. If I'm going back to a place where all they're going to do is judge me, all they're going to do is ridicule me, all they're going to do is talk about money, all they're going to do is keep, you know, keep, you know, you know, keeping me shackled, saying that I can't talk to them, you know, when I see something going wrong, I can't tell the pastor what's going wrong, because if I tell the pastor what's going wrong, he's going to kick me out of church. When if he, if I, if I, if he's saying if he starts preaching about something and he's taking the word in the wrong direction, I can't go and talk to him and tell him, hey man, I, I looked at what you would, what you I looked at the scripture that you were preaching from and, and what you saying didn't line up with what the scripture is. Can we talk about it? I can't do that because touch not my anointed ones and do my prophet no harm. So heaven forbid we have a discussion about what his about his sermon being kind of erroneous. Because it doesn't line up with the scripture, it doesn't line up with the gospel, it doesn't line up with Jesus. And if I tell him something, I'm touching the anointed one, I'm doing my prophet harm, doing the prophet harm, so I can't tell him what's going on, but what he's saying is leading people astray. There's no way, there's no way to talk to people in our churches today. There's no avenue to have real discussion and discourse where we can grow together as the body believers. What we've done is we've set up our churches in such a way to where our pastors are kings. Our our their wives are queens. And we can't talk, we can't touch them. We can't touch leadership. We got to let them lead how they lead. We can't talk to them. We can't tell them that don't seem right to me. My spirit's not, 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 that ain't, that ain't hitting right. And what people are saying now is, bet, I just won't go to the church. I just won't go. We, the believers in God, if we're a part of churches and part of organizations where we're seeing a falling away, maybe instead of blaming them for not being there, we need to check ourselves. And ask, what are we doing to keep them? What are we doing so that they can feel welcome here for real? Can we check our own hearts and see? I don't know. Maybe if we didn't treat them like crap every time they walk through the door, maybe then they'd stay. Maybe if we didn't ostracize them and make them feel like they don't belong, maybe they'd stay. Maybe if we created an avenue where they could ask questions and we provide them with real answers and not, well, just go to scripture and pray about it. Maybe then they'd be encouraged to stay. Maybe if we didn't spend every Sunday talking about money. Let's talk about it. I don't know, once a quarter. Once every six months. Once a year, maybe. But every Sunday we got to preach on money. Every Sunday we got to talk about tithes. Every Sunday we got to talk about offerings. Every Sunday you got to weave that in there somehow. Make sure y'all pay y'all money. Every Sunday. Maybe we actually talk about the stuff that matters. Like our souls. Like our heart's posture. Like, you know, the fruit of the spirit. How to battle the demons that we're fighting from one day to the next. If we talk about the stuff that actually matters. If we actually act and operate as the body of Christ. And instead of talking about people, we actually 
get to know them, actually sit down with them, figure out where they are in their lives, and figure out how we can help them along the way. When we think about the body of Christ, we often don't think about the fact that we're all equal members of it. Instead of looking at it from a from a circular perspective, we look at it as a line. The thing that I love about King Arthur in the round table is that the round table was established so that there was no head to it. Everybody at the round table was an equal part of it, regardless of the role that you played in the kingdom. At that round table, everybody was equal. And that's how it is in the body of Christ. Doesn't matter whether you're the head, doesn't matter whether you're the feet, doesn't matter whether you're the fingers, doesn't matter whether you're the arms, doesn't matter whether you're the heart, doesn't matter if you're the you know the the more intimate parts, doesn't matter if you're a knee, doesn't matter if you're you know an appendix. Every part of the body is important. If you are a molar, you are important. If you are a hair inside a nose, you are important. If you are a pupil, you are important. If you are an eyebrow, you are important. If you are one of the grays in the beard, you are important in the body of Christ. Because when one suffers, we all suffer. When one is glad, we all rejoice. We need every part of the body. You ever stub your toe? You ever bump your elbow up against the wall? You ever hit your knee on something? And your whole body fall apart. That's how it's supposed to be in the body of Christ. We're supposed to love one another in such a way to where if one hurts, we all hurt. It's so watching the Power Rangers movie, the the the, the, the newest one, um, with um with Elizabeth Banks, who played the heck out some Rita. Oh my god, she played the heck out some Rita Repulse. I don't care what nobody say. The bomb.com, Chef's Kiss. Wish they wish we would have continued that series, but obviously they didn't make enough money. That's besides the point. But in order for them to morph and get their and get their suits, they 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 couldn't just say it's morphing time, and and they got the suits. They actually had to connect to each other. They had to know each other. They had to you know be be connected, interconnected, intimate. Intimately, they had to actually be friends. They had to become, you know, like um, like Vin Diesel, you know, um, Dom Dominic Toretto, family, family. They had to be one with each other in order to get their suits. Because only by being one did the morphing grid work. That's how it is in the body of Christ. We are all one body connected to the head of the body, which is Christ. Jesus is the head of the church, not your pastor. Jesus is the head of the church, not your deacons. Jesus is the head of the church, not your not your favorite bishop online. Jesus is the head of the church. And we are all members of the body of Christ. But how often are we truly acting as if we are a part of that body? We are so disconnected from one another, disjointed from one another. And for all the great things that the pandemic did, one of the big failings is that we have become more disconnected than ever. We've become more disconnected than we ever could, than we ever have been. And as a result of that, we as the body of believers, 
we have to ask ourselves the question, are we truly a part of the body? As leaders, what are we doing to build the body, to encourage the body, to strengthen the body, to encourage the body to be more like the body of Christ? There is no big I, there is no little you in the body of Christ. Everybody has a role to play. Somebody's role is to be on stage, but somebody else's role is to be in the background. But everybody's role is important. Everybody's role is important. It's not enough to just be, to just a, a climb. Like, like Paul said, you know, seek for the gifts earnestly. Seek those, seek for the gifts. If that's what you want, if that's what you want. But recognize that just because you're a janitor, it doesn't mean that you aren't important, that you aren't essential. Just because you're a congregant doesn't mean that you aren't essential. You're essential to the body of Christ. It is often said if, pa if pastors are actually honest with themselves, you know, it, 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 there's no point in preaching if there's no one to preach to. You are essential to the body of Christ. And so it's imperative and important for us as the body of Christ to open ourselves up to scrutiny, to open ourselves up to being questioned, to open ourselves up to being challenged. I love how the lady said it on in, in the Jude 3 project. Jesus let people ask him all kinds of questions. He said, let them let them come to me. Ask the questions. I'm going to shoot you straight parable form, but I'm going to shoot you straight. So ask your questions. Have, and we, have we gotten so high and mighty that we feel like we can't be challenged? Who do we think we are? We ain't Jesus. We ain't God. And God himself told, um, told Job, ask your questions. Dress up like a man, bro. Go ask your questions, but I got some too. Gird up. Dress for battle. Come on. Be a, be a man. You want to ask the questions? I got, I got you. I got your questions. But I got some too. But God himself, if you look throughout half your Psalms, God, where are you? God, when you going to deliver me from my enemies? God, when you going to get me out of this mess? My bones are aching from the mess I'm going through right now. Where you at? When are you going to deliver Ask your questions of God. Ask your questions of Jesus. So what, what makes us think we can't ask a, ask a pastor a question? Hey, you know, I love you, but I don't like how you did such and such. Can you tell me what, what was going on there to where you thought this was okay? Because I'm confused. Hey, you know, why are you always talking about money every week? Every week. Hey, sister such and such is over there, you know, just gossiping all day long to the high heaven about this new member that we got. Can we address that? Because that, that, that can't happen. That can't keep happening like that. Half our new members don't want to come back to the church. They're grumbling and griping because we got people gossiping on them. Can we do something about that? How, why, why do we run the church the way that we do? 
Why 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 do we why why was this person ordained? Do we not see what type of type of life he living? Can we can we address that? Like what's the process of how he how he became a a a, a, a deacon when he he his life is not conducive to deaconness, to deaconship? How did she become a deaconess just because she's married to the deacon? She ain't got a lick of deaconess in her. Help me understand. That ain't the math ain't mathing up with me on that. Like if we can't open ourselves up to scrutiny, like Jesus opened himself up to scrutiny, and he is the most anointed of all the anointed ones, then what are we saying? Are we better than Jesus? Are we better than God? No. We are all members of the same body, the head of that body being Christ. So we have to open ourselves up to scrutiny, open ourselves up to being vulnerable so that those who are weak, those who are vulnerable, those who are, you know, are in need of greater care can know that they are safe. If they don't feel safe, they are not going to stay. Gone are the days where people will tolerate tyrants. Gone are the days where people will tolerate, you know, mean. Gone are the days where people are going to tolerate, you know, people constantly telling them things that they know in their hearts are not the Bible and not gospel and not Jesus. Those days are over. And if they and if you wonder why people ain't coming to church. Check yourself. Take it to take it to the cross. Take it to Jesus. Because maybe we might be the reason why they're not coming. We might be the reason why they won't come back. We might be the reason why they'd rather watch online. They'd rather support from the comforts of their own home than to step foot back into those four walls. And yes, it is absolutely sad. It's it's heartbreaking. But the reality is people tired. Again, it's a sad day in the in, in the world when your bars, the clubs, the gangs treat you better than the church does. The church is supposed to be the safest place you you could possibly be in, but for a lot of us, it's it's where we've experienced the most pain. And some of us are just tired of going through that. And so we as the believers in God, we need to ask ourselves the question, what are we doing? That's causing people to not want to come back. And can we open ourselves up to scrutiny so that maybe they'll decide to come back? Because we need each other. We are members of one body. We need each other. But what are we doing to cultivate safe, safe spaces in our churches to where people feel more at home than any place else outside of their home? You should feel at home at home. If you don't, that's a problem too. And we should talk about that. But if you're not feeling safe in your churches, then that's an, that's an alarm 
that ought to set off some type of bell in our heads and our hearts and say, let's reevaluate and see what we can do to make people feel like they're home. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful that you've given us this um, opportunity to be before you today. Thank you for the 2,000 likes that we have received today. Thank you for the follows. Thank you for the shares. Thank you for the comments down in the comment box. We're certainly grateful for each and every person who has given on today. Know that I make my own money. I have my own job. I pay my own bills. So any dollar amount that you give to this ministry is going straight to the ministry itself for the sake of keeping up our subscriptions, keeping up our website. And if you've missed any part of this message or want to catch up on past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, um, and listen at your pleasure. Uh, we will be right back in just a moment. watching the true gospel morning show with your boy eddie d right here on tiktok live we're with you monday through friday 6 a.m to 8 a.m eastern standard time certainly grateful for the 2,000 likes that we have received on today keep those likes up certainly grateful for every person who's coming through on the live this morning um someone had asked me earlier this week about my thoughts on the israel palestine um conflict and so i'd answered this question once before but obviously it's a hot topic um, in our culture today, um, given that the conflict is still ongoing and a lot of stuff is going on in the world, um, in that, in that, in that situation, like it's ongoing, it's an ongoing thing right now. And so I thought that I would, um, revisit 
um, my response to what's going on and encourage us as the body of Christ um, in that regard. Um, Matthew chapter 24, starting at verse number three, says, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And these are but the beginning of birth pains. And then if you go to John, John chapter 13. Verse 34. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Um, the Israel-Palestine conflict has been going on for at least, for, for over half, uh, um, half a century now. Um, and the response that I, that I have simply is, is twofold. One, Jesus said that this was going to happen. Things like this were going to happen. Um, we see wars and rumors of wars happening. I mean, the Ukraine situation is wars and rumors of wars. Israel and Palestine going at it again. You know, Hamas and all that. Wars and rumors of wars. There's plenty of conflicts going on around the world that we know nothing about. Plenty of conflict going on in, um, in Africa. Um, conflicts that are happening in China. You know, conflicts that are happening in, uh, with, between North and South Korea. Um, there are situations and circumstances. Um, I think Hong Kong was in a situation at one point. Um, the United States stay, stay battling against itself. Like, we, we go through, like, many civil wars. It seemed like every other freaking week, depending upon what football team you follow or, you know, what, um, you know, the side of the aisle that you sit on politically. Um, it seems to always be some type of conflict that we're about to get into or will get into or whatever the case is. If January 6, 2021 was, wasn't um, apparent. Um, and so, you know, we see Jesus was dead on. There be wars and rumors of wars. So Israel and Palestine going at it again. It's not surprising. It is sad, but it's not surprising. Um, and someone said, you know, whose side is God on or whose side, you know, are Christians for we're on the Lord's side because neither one of them are doing what Jesus prescribed for his disciples to do, which is to love one another. If those two sides were displaying the love of Christ if they believe in Christ, if their leaders believe in Christ, if they if their believers believed in Jesus, then they would more than likely not be ex engaging in this type of activity in an attempt to claim land back. You know, rather it would be di dip, it would be a di it would be diplomatic. I would assume 
They would show love one to another, not throw bombs, you know? And so the, the, the response that I have to the conflict is simply that it goes to show what happens when you really don't believe in Jesus, when you don't have a walk with the Lord. You know, as I talked about once before, people will sometimes, you know, say to me, I can't believe you believe in Jesus. Don't you know that that's the, the, the God of the of the slave masters? I can't believe you believe in Jesus. Do you know the atrocities that were committed by people who follow Jesus? I can't believe that you believe in him. Don't you know that he was ripped from this and ripped from that and da, 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 da. And I tell people all the time, you know, it's always interesting to me how people will weaponize, you know, whatever they need to weaponize in order to justify what they want to do. I don't know what Palestine or Hamas or whoever, you know, what they what they did or what they said to, you know, justify doing what they're doing to Israel. No more than I know what Israel ju did to justify what they're doing to Palestine. They're fighting each other and they both feel justified in what they're doing. If both of them are right and their other then their counterparts are wrong. I don't know what they're saying to each other in their in their own, you know, in their in their own corners of the world to justify what they're doing. But again, nine times out of 10, they've justified it based on their religion, based, based on the, the, the scriptures that they've ripped from, from their books, you know, and said, this is the will of the Lord. So we going to do this in the name of the Lord or in the name of whoever. Right. And so, again, I say and so I say all that to say for Mo, for a lot of us, our tendency is to justify what we want to do by picking and choosing what we want to believe in. So when we say we believe in Jesus, we that's why I said this I said this yesterday, we got to believe in the whole thing. We can't believe in the parts that we like and discard the parts we don't. If we're going to believe in Jesus, we got to believe in all of them. We got to believe in the whole Jesus. Not just not just the Jesus that we like, not just the Jesus that fits our narrative, not just the Jesus that makes the most sense to us. No, we got to follow the whole Christ from Genesis to Revelation. We got to follow the whole Christ in everything that he says about him, his character, his nature, what he loves, what he hates, all that. We got to follow the whole him. And if we are his disciples, then the way that they're going to know that we are his disciples is how we show love one to another. That is how they know that we are his disciples. And so again, we, the believers in God, got to be ever so careful that we're not putting ourselves in a place where we are falling out of line and out of alignment with who Christ is. When we see things going on in the world like this, our hearts should grieve without question for every person, every innocent person who is, you know, being hurt through this process in an attempt to reclaim territory. Our hearts should our hearts should hurt. Our hearts are breaking for those people. If there's and if there's any way that you want to support them, support them. Whatever side you you feel is right, you support them. But at the end of the day, Jesus is not pleased with either one of them. Because this is not the way. But again, what would we expect from unbelievers? They don't believe in Jesus. Why would we expect anything less than from them?
We just got done saying we can't even we can't even get along with our own selves and we believers. Why should we expect unbelievers to be any different? A lot of people will get on God about that. Well, if God was so good, why would he allow this to happen? That's that's the consequence of sin. And that's the consequence of what happens when you don't follow God. When you don't follow Jesus. This kind of stuff is what happens. When you when we don't have a spirit that follows after God and his precepts, when we don't have the spirit of God living inside of us, this is what has the this is what has the potential to happen. Stuff like this. And again, Christ said, expect it. It's coming. It's a consequence of the fall. It's what happens when people want stuff and they feel like I can't get what I want through the proper means, so now I'm just gonna take it. It's a consequence of the fall. But Christ said these things must happen before the end comes. So we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be caught off guard. Our hearts should grieve. Because it hurts. It hurts to see it. It hurts to hear about it. But at the end of the day, show love. If you are a believer in Christ, the proof is in the love that you show. Proof could not be any plainer. That don't look like love to me. But again, I ain't got a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. So, who knows? I don't know. I, if they, they believe it in Jesus, wow. But to God be the glory. Like we said, he going to get the glory out of it one way or another. And so again, that is my response to the Israel-Palestine conflict. That's what's going on down there. Um, and I'm hoping and praying for a peaceful resolution to come quickly. Like That's my prayer. That's my posture. That's my position. Praying for a diplomatic solution, um, a peaceful resolution to that situation. Um, and praying that, you know, they will cease fire, that the ceasefire will come. So that way people can go to rebuild um, you know, mourn their losses and um, be able to live peacefully and in harmony with one another once again. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Um, my wife had asked this question and um, I wanted to bring it up today um, because it was a very, very good question in light of a past um, episode that we had done here on the True Gospel Morning Show. <clears throat> she had asked, what is our motive behind what we want? And why do we tag God's name on it? Is that blasphemy? What is our motive behind what we want? And why do we tag God's name on it? Is that blasphemy? Um, to start off, we all want stuff. Can I call a spade a spade? I, I would love a Lamborghini, love a Maserati, an Aston Martin, Audi A6. Ugh. We all want stuff. We all want nice houses. We all want land. We all want, you know, um, fat bank accounts, six figures, sitting pretty in the bank, no bills, no debt. You know, I'm, I'm love, I love those things. You know, we all want 
fly outfits, you know, chains around our necks, you know, fat watches on our neck, on our wrists, you know, Gucci. Um, we all want the bag. We all want nice things. We want, you know, fly spouses. I think I got one of the flyest ones on Earth. Love you, boo. Um, we all want great kids. You know, want great pets. Picket fences. You know, we all want to sit pretty in this life. We all want great jobs, amazing careers. Some of us don't even want to work. We want our money to work for us. You know, we, we want, you know, we want, you know, people to, that we can tell what to do. We want to be the boss. We want to be the CEO of the companies. We all want stuff. We all want it. You know, clearly, we all want stuff. Got my little Thanos and Iron Man stuff. We all want stuff. You know. If we go ask anybody for anything that we want in this life, ask God. It all belongs to him. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to God. That talks about his abundance, his, his ownership of everything. He created everything in this world. And before y'all get all, he did, did he snap his fingers and my house show up? No, that's not what I mean, so stop. Okay, stop. Stop. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, but by his orchestration, everything in the world that was made was made through his orchestration because nothing in this world can be made out of thin air. You know, we all have to take the resources that God has given us and apply it in some type of way to create what we have. Everything comes from the from nature and God created everything. If you are a believer, this is what we believe. So God in his infinite wisdom, might, and power gave us the infinite might, power, and wisdom to come up with the things that we've come up with and to be able to do the things that we do. So God has his hands in everything, and God has created everything. And as a result, if you're going to ask anybody for anything, it's God. Ask him. Ask him for it. Because he is the one who maps out whether we're going to get it or whether we're not. And so, if you want it, ask them. But here's the thing. The closer we grow to God, the less important those things, those things become compared to him. Hear me again. The closer we get to God, the less important those things become compared to him. So our heart's posture then should be, God, if it's in your will, let me have this thing. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. God, I want this. God, I want that. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And so our heart's posture should grow to where God becomes the greatest thing we could ever possess. That our heart's posture should be. 
if God, if you never bless me with another thing in this in this world, you've already given me everything that I need and you've given me the greatest thing that I could ever have, which is you. I want a million dollars. But God, if you know me having a million dollars ain't going I'm not going to worship you if I had these million, then don't give me the million. Because I'd rather have you than to have the million without you. Our heart's posture should be like Moses. God said, Moses, I'm going to set you up. You know what? Matter of fact, give me one second. I'm going to let the Bible speak for itself. Give me one second. Let me figure out where that thing at. Let's see. Where is it? Let me see. I think it's in Exodus thirty three. Let me see. I think it's in Exodus thirty three. Walking through the Bible, walking through the Bible, walking through the Bible. It's not there. I'm going to find it real quick. Y'all have to do. You know what? While I'm doing that. Let me do this. Give me one second. I'll be right back.
All right. Welcome back to the True Gospel Morning Show. I can't find the actual scripture that I remember it being, but the closest I can get to it right now is Exodus chapter 33, starting with verse 12. He says, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor um, in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And God said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in you going with us that we are distinct, and I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth? And so he say, so he says in that, um, and he says it in another place. I'm going to try to find it and maybe bring it back on another episode. Um, but that, you know, God, if we don't have you, we can be set up and look like kings and queens all day long. But if we don't have you, then we're nothing like we're absolutely nothing. We're garbage. We're trash. Like we if we don't have you, then we are no different than the other nations. You are what make us distinct, not the money, not the cars, not the not the well, you know, they, the chariots and whatever. Um, none of that stuff makes us like you, like like you make us like you, like you are what makes us distinct. And so our hearts posture should be. That if God's going to give us anything, if God's going to bless us with anything, you know, please bless us, like give us stuff. But at the end of the day, don't give us stuff if giving us the stuff is going to cause us to not be like you. If it's going to cause us to be less than you, then keep the stuff from us because we don't need the stuff. We need you. That should be our heart's posture that God make us more like you. Give me more of you. And so the, when the questions ask, you know, what is our motive behind what we want and why do we tag God's name on it? We got to check our hearts because sometimes we, whether we, whether we want to admit it or not, will join Christ in an attempt to get things. Some of us growing up in our childhood, what did we do? We were taught to pray. Pray to God for your stuff. And you better do good. You better do right or else you're not going to get it. And so our part, so our, our relationship to God started for a lot of us with get stuff from him. He's going to give you stuff. So like he, like a Santa Claus, you pray to him and you get your prayers answered. How many of us prayed to God, give me the A on the test? How many of us, you know, pray, God, you know, help me with the bullies at school. God, you know, Christmas is coming. I sure hope that I get this thing that I want for Christmas so bad. And so our, our so our beginning relationship with God started off with God, gimme, 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 gimme. And so now that, that we're older and have experienced some things, you know, our prayer should be different than that. But a lot of us, we we get into this Christian race, whether it's in, we, we, whether we begin we're older or we begin when we're younger, in an attempt to get God to open up His hand. So we have to check our motives. 
What are we seeking after for real? Do we want a deeper relationship with the Lord? Or do we want the Lord's stuff? Huh, you see, you see what I did? You see what I did there? You see what I did there? Yeah, 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 yeah. You see what I did there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but we 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 our attempt is to get God to open up his hands, to pour out blessings we won't have room enough to receive. That's what we get in, that's what we get into the relationship with God for. It's not about him. It's about his stuff. And now listen, again, ain't got a heaven and hell to put nobody in. If God changed your heart, put in, took out the heart of stone, put in the heart of flesh, to God be the glory. But a lot of us got to still check those insidious motives. What are we in this thing for? Are we in it because we love God or are we in it because we love his stuff? Are we in it because we love God or because we want to look like our pastors look? Want to dress like our pastors dress? Want to, you know, be seen and heard by others? We want the, we want all the things. We don't want the giver of the things. We want the things that he gives. We got to check that because like, like the, the question suggests, we can sometimes tag God's name on the stuff that we're that we want him to give us. And sometimes God's trying to block what we want because he knows what we need. And if we force our way into getting what we want, and get what we want when God did not endorse that, we can mistake the truth about God for a lie because we sometimes forget that the devil has powers too. He ain't got all power, but he's got a lot of power. And he has the power to give us the things that we want in exchange for our souls. And we'll think, to God be the glory for giving me this thing. When in reality, it, it's a twisted, we twisted a scripture, or we twisted God's word. We listened to the, 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 the scratching of the devil that said, did God surely say you couldn't have this thing? He's trying to withhold something from you that you deserve. You deserve to have this thing. You deserve to have this, this person. You deserve to be in this relationship. You deserve to have this job. You deserve to have this car. You deserve to have this thing. Here, I can give it to you and we'll think that it was all God. How often do we see our celebrities who, you know, are peddling you know, just debauchery all day, but they get on the awards platform. I want to thank God. I want to thank God for the lyrics. You a stupid hoe. You a you a stupid hoe. I want to thank God for the lyrics. I want to thank God for you know for 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 giving me this platform to be able to perform for people and you know show off my goodies and you know and, and entice people to want to have sex all day talking about you know it's so wet and all that kind of stuff. Like I want to thank God. For the lyrics, I want to thank God, and and they believe it. They believe it. God got God got me here. They believe it within their whole hearts. 
If it's not for the for the mercy and grace of God for getting me to where I'm at. Thank God that I'm here. The reprobated mind is fierce. Mistaking the truth about God for a lie. Exchanging the truth about God for a lie. So we gotta be careful. Now I don't know if we would if we would fall in the line of blasphemy per se, but it's pretty dang close. When we know, and that, and that, okay, thank you, God, thank you, thank you, Holy Spirit, thank you, Holy Spirit. When we know, God did not endorse this. God did not want you to have this, but I got it anyway. That was not what God was seeking after. That was not what God wanted for desired for your heart. Desired for you. And yet you got it anyway. I think that may fall under the line of blasphemy when we tag God's name on something that we know we weren't supposed to have. Like the like the guy who was saying, you know, God told me to get a divorce. Oh, that's what he told you? For real? He told you to implode a whole marriage that you have no grounds for divorcing for? Unless you out there doing some dirt that you don't want nobody to know? God told you to destroy a whole family. Oh, okay. Tagging God's name on your freedom, your breakthrough, your generational breakthrough. Okay. So I'm saying all that to say, we have to check our motives. We got to check our motives. What are you following Jesus for? Why are you a Christian? Are you a Christian because you realize your depravity and that there's nothing in this world that can satisfy the longings of the soul like, like Solomon found out? There's nothing in this world that can satisfy it. And you're giving all that up. The love of all of those things. Because again, ain't say they oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus. We're not saying you can't have nice stuff. I love my clothes. I love my chair. I love my toys. I love my treadmill. I love my books. I love the house that I live in. I love my spouse. I love my kids. I love my dog, even though me and my dog, we still, we working on it. I think we're getting better. I love every, I love my life. Love my friends, love my family, love my mom and dad. Love, you know, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad I have nice things. I love my car. <laughs> Ain't gonna lie, I love my car. You know, I, it's gonna break my heart when I give it to my daughter. You know, I, I love my little car, you know. But, you know, I'm gonna give it to her because she's she gonna need one. She's gonna need it. And she's gonna get me another one. You know, by the grace of God. And so, yeah, I love my stuff. Ain't gonna lie about that. I love my stuff. So you can have nice things. Don't don't believe the hype that says that you, to be a Christian, you can't have nice stuff. No, you can have nice stuff and be a Christian. But your love for those things cannot supersede the love of God. If your love for God is being superseded by a love for stuff, that's a heart posture you need to check. Thank God for the stuff. 
But I thank God for God more than I thank him for the more than the stuff. Because heaven and earth is going to pass away. All this stuff is here today and broke tomorrow. No, I, I, you, you look at your phones. No, I, the, I, the Apple people got, you know, busted because they, they purposefully made their phones breaks to make you go get a new one. We get new phones every two to three years. You know, get new laptops every two, three years because they slow down. Books fade. Video games get old. You know, I'm, I'm playing my second round of Horizon Zero Dawn. I love that game. Done beat it twice now. Might boot it back up to, to, beat, to beat it all over again. You know, but eventually that game going to get old. Like, it, it got old to me now because I'm able to beat everybody without there being any real struggle. So, things get old. Things fade. We get older. Clothing fades. You end up having to give clothes to Goodwill and go buy you some new clothes. Like, all this stuff is going to pass away. So, if your love for stuff supersede your love for God, that's a heart posture you need to check. Because your motive for following Jesus should be because I want Jesus, not because I want his stuff. If you want the things more than you want God, you got to check that. What do you want the things for? Like, are, are you wanting the things because, you know, it's something, you know, it, again, it, it just be, just be, I just want it. That's okay. That's okay. Be honest. I just want it. But don't say I want it so I can be a blessing to the people when you know that ain't what you want it for. Like, don't tell that lie. I want it because I want it. Just be honest. But at the end of the day, you got to check that. Because again, the devil has powers too. And the devil can sometimes give us the things that we want. And we don't even, sometimes we won't even realize it until we're too knee deep in. And now God's got to do a real rescue job to get us out of where we're at. And thank be to God, he, again, he ain't judging nobody because all the judgment was put, was put upon the cross. So upon repentance and belief, we're saved from that, but he still got some deliverance to do. God deliver us from some stuff. So again, check your motives check your motives because at the end of the day if you don't check your motives then you can think that God is supposed to bless you supposed to give you things and you end up putting yourself in a place where you know if God ever decides that he's not going to give you the thing you think that either your relationship with God is weak or that your God is too small and our God is too great to you know ever be compared to anything in this world but and um, his, his, his ways and his thoughts are so infinite and beyond us that we, 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 again, you can question him if you want to, but recognize that he's got the whole world in his hands and he is the orchestrator of all things, including the destiny of our very lives. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are thankful for the 3,200 likes that you guys have given us thus far. Um, and we're grateful for every like, every share, and every comment that you put in the comment box below. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to hit that comment box below with anything that you would like to ask the, um, the True Gospel Morning Show right here. Um, 
And if you've missed any part of this message or want to listen to past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen at your convenience to any and all episodes um, or repeat any episodes that you may have missed. Uh, You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show. We'll be right back in just a moment. Watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, the question was asked, um, well, it wasn't so much a question, but it's um, a topic that we had brought up before, and I wanted to bring it up again. I'd seen the note um, that I had written to myself about it, and I was like, yeah, I think I want to bring it up one more time. Um, and the note said, The pain of that situation God is using to heal me of my past. Um, And we had talked about it briefly as we were discussing the pruning process. I'm talking about the pruning process. And we're coming out of John chapter 15, um, starting at verse number 1. John chapter 15, starting at verse number 1. says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. 
for apart from me you cannot do nothing you can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branch is got branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Hmm. So are you fruity? I like that. Um, as my father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be be full all right so um most of us expect the life that we live in Christ to be such to where we're going to live an easy life um you know we often take the words of um paul when he says that all things work together for the good of them that love the lord and we twist it to say all things are working out for my good and we think about the word good as it's defined by us so we don't really think about what it means for god's good in my life, we, we we center ourselves in the universe, subliminally and subconsciously, a lot. Like, God is doing it for me. It's all for me. And he's like, no, God's doing it for him. <laughs> like, he really, at the end of the day, he's really doing it for him. He's not doing it for us. He's doing it for him. He's doing it for, for, for us, for him. Like, he, everything is working for his glory. He, he wants, he's going to get the glory out of everything. Um, and so when we think about the good life, Again, we often don't think about the fact that sometimes in order for us to live in the good life, we've got to go through bad things, got to go through hard times, got to go through trials, got to go through tribulations, because that is the pruning process by which he burns things off that are not like him, clips things that are um, that are not being fruity so that we can bear more fruit going through a pruning process. Um, and sometimes. Um, God will take us through a season of pruning to help us to deal with the issues of the past. Sometimes some of us are dealing with some really dark, heavy things that have happened in our past um, that we will that we haven't addressed before, haven't dealt with before, haven't talked to anybody to anybody about before. And God will use opportunities in our lives to address the things that are going on in our past. I was talking to someone, talking to a couple last night, and they were going in. I mean, just just rah, 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 going hard in the paint when it comes to just, you know, it's me versus you. And, you know, for a moment, I was aligned, you know, on one side saying, you know, um, you know, lady, it sounds like you you can't get you can't let this go. Like you you keep, you know, you know, just just struggling with you know you won't need your way like what is really going on she's like i don't know i don't know i just know that this and i know that that but i don't know why i don't know why 
And, I mean, you're talking about she couldn't hear anything the man was saying. Couldn't hear, half hear anything I was saying. So, God gave me wisdom to back all the way up. And I said to, I said to her, said to the husband, let me talk to your wife alone. Let me, let me talk to your wife alone. And so, you know, I'm talking to her. And I asked her, let's, let's, let's go back to the beginning. Where did all this come from? Where did this incessant need to take care of everything and be in charge of everything and be in control of everything, where did that come from? And she told me, she said, you know, growing up, I wasn't allowed to express my emotions at home. You express your emotions at home, you got in trouble. Like, I wasn't allowed to be, I wasn't allowed to be sad. I wasn't allowed to be, you know, hurt. I wasn't allowed to have issues or problems. I just had to do my homework, make do my chores, eat, sleep, and breathe, and barely do that. My parents, they didn't hate me. They just never really showed me love. They, they tolerated me. And so I learned how to just stay quiet and silent and not ever have anybody help me with anything. You know, and as a result, you know, I got my first job in middle school. I worked my way through college and got a master's degree. I got a, an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, and a master's degree in four years. And I've been taking care of myself the whole time. And I said to her, do you want to be married? Because you got a whole husband now who wants to love and support you, and you act like you don't want his support. And she was like, yeah, I want to be married. I love him. I, I don't want to live life without him. I just don't know, you know, how to not be in control because I've been in control my whole life. And for a lot of us as believers in God, there are a lot of things that have happened to us in our past that God uses present situations to reveal to us that the issues and traumas of our past are keeping us bound from being more fruitful. As I told her, the situ the, you learned how to survive your childhood, just like we all do. Our, the where, however our parents are raising us, we, can, we are becoming conditioned to live life a specific way. And we think that all of life is meant to be this way. So when we get out into the world, we see that people are different. But we are still operating in the same mind space that we operated in in our childhood, in our past. And when we buck up against situations by God's providence, that where our, 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 um, our, our default position is not working in this situation, and we get frustrated by that, God is saying, I need to break that. I need to break how you've been living so I can teach you another way. I can show you another way. That there is a better way of being, a better way of existing, a better way of thriving. That you don't have to continue living the same way you've been living. I got to burn that off of you. I got to cut that from you. I got to prune you in that area so that you can become more fruitful. And in order to do that, you got to go through the process. How many of us are so, you know, staunchly, you know, you know, on the side of right... That we can't possibly see another way. That there is no other way. Sometimes God will allow pain points in our lives to reveal to us traumas, issues, problems, situations, 
people that have hurt us in the past or people that, you know, help shape and forge the way that we are. I remember when I was growing up, I had a friend of mine um, who had written, a, um, I was, this is me in the sixth grade, had written in um, my yearbook, Don't Ever Change. And for two or three years, I tried to live off of that. Don't ever change. And at some point, there was a moment in my life where I realized I need to be different, but that mantra was still stuck in my head, don't change. And I had to apologize to that person because I knew I had to change. I had to do something different. But imagine had I stuck to that mantra for my whole life. I wouldn't be I wouldn't have the flexibility to be able to deal with the situation and the problems that I have in life because I can't change who I am. I got to stay the way that I have to be. I probably couldn't even be a Christian because I got to stay this way. God, don't change me. I, I got I, I made a promise. I can't change. How many of us are living by mantras of the past? We're we're living we're chasing ghosts of the past. When God has, has offered freedom, Offered peace, liberty, standing right at the door. But in order to get the, the to be more at peace, to have more joy, have more love, the fruit, to have more, you know, zeal, passion. He's gotta cut some stuff. He's gotta prune some stuff. He's gotta burn some stuff some stuff off. How many of us are holding on to things in the past? That God is saying, I got to break that from you. The pain that I got to put you through today is going to birth something out of you that is going to, it'll blow your mind, but it's going to blow your mind in the spirit. May not, again, it ain't got to be financial. It ain't got to be a part of a job. It ain't got to be a part of a ministry. Just something for your soul's peace. Your soul's joy. Your soul's hope. That there is an abundance of joy, hope, love, and peace that's, that's waiting for us on the other side of the pruning process. We want the fruit, but we don't want the pain. We want to come out as pure gold, but we don't want to be refined. God is saying to us, sometimes we got to go through the process so that we can bear more fruit. And bearing more fruit is proof that we are his disciples. Because if we are his disciples, then God, wherever you're going to lead me, take me there. Whatever you got to burn off of me, burn it. Whatever you got to get rid of, get rid of it. Expose the idols. Expose the darkness. Expose the issues. Expose the traumas. Excuse me. Yeah, there's some people in your life that probably hurt you when you were younger. And those pains influence the way that you look at men. Influence the way that you treat women. Influence your relationships with people. Influences the way that you, you, that you think about, you know, safety and security. God is saying, sometimes... I got to take you through the process to help you become free from those chains. Yeah, your mom might not have been the best mom on the earth. 
Daddy might have been deadbeat. Yeah, brothers and sisters may have ostracized and criticized you. You might have been bullied in school. We can't allow what happened to your past to know to, to, to continue dictating how you live in your present. I'm trying to free you from that. I'm trying to heal you from that. Will you let me do the work? Exposing how those things are still bothering you. That girl I was talking to yesterday in, in, in therapy. She was saying, you know, I, 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 have to, I have to be the one to do it. I got to be the one to clean my room. I got to be the one to, 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 to take care of this. Because I, 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 I want to be proud of me. And I said, is it that you want to be proud of you or you want somebody else to be proud of you? She was like, yeah, I want, I, want, I want to be able to show it to other people and say, look at what I did. And I said, where do you think you got that from? She said, I got that from my mom. She was never proud of me for anything. Always criticizing me for everything. And so I was always trying to be right in her eyes. Always trying to look good in her eyes. Always got the best grades. Always got, you know, always cleaned the room. Always took care of my chores. And she never, was never, never satisfied. Never, never, never said I'm proud of you ever. And so all I want is for somebody to be proud of me. I said, that's a pain point. Doing what you did helped you to survive your childhood. But you got a whole host of people out here who love you despite what you do. And you won't give them the chance to help you with anything. You're burning your candle at both ends because you just want somebody to say, I'm proud of you. Girl, we proud of you by ex from it for existing. We're proud of you for existing. Not because of anything that you've accomplished, but because you're here. You matter because you're here, not because of what you can do. God's got to get in that space and heal that space. Yes, your mom may, may have been the, one of the worst moms ever. But we going to forgive her because she knew not what she was doing. Obviously ain't got a relationship with the Lord. You know, from her admission. And we got, we're going to let that go. Because all it's doing now is hindering you. Anxious all the time. Got to make sure I get this right. Got to make sure I get this right. In an attempt to make mommy happy. The little girl in you, we got to take her by the hand and say, you, we are proud of you. You are loved. You are valued. You are validated. And we got to remind ourselves that God loves us best. The only opinion that matters is God's. And his opinion was validated by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. What greater love than one should have? Right here in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. But we got to allow God to get into these pain points and not try to push them away in an attempt to feel good, to feel better, to numb the pain away. We got to allow God to get into these pain points because in the pain points, he can heal and undo the damage that was done to us in our past. And yes, it hurts. It hurts, but it's necessary. It's necessary because if we don't allow God to do his work, then we put ourselves in a, situ in a, in a, in a, in a position 
where he can't, where he, where we're not allowing him to make us more fruity. We say we want more of God. We got to be careful what we ask for. Because sometimes in asking God for more of him, he going to have to break us in order to build us back up. He's going to have to prune us to make to make us bear more fruit. He's going to have to put us in the refiner's fire so that he can make us come out as pure gold. There was a person, um, I can't remember what his name is right now, but he was saying that, you know, it, God, God, we don't need to be broken in order for God to use us. And I was like, yes, sometimes we do. A broken spirit and a contrite heart, God can can do something with that. God can do something with someone who is humble, with someone who knows I, I'm, I'm nothing without the Lord. You know that I messed up and I made mistakes or, you know, I'm dealing with some issues and dealing with problems that I have not yet addressed and dealt with. God can do something with that. We bring our burdens and we bring our problems and we bring our trials to the Lord. And we walk alongside somebody, whether it be a good friend or spouse, a therapist or whatever. And we talk about these things so that we can produce more fruit. The pruning process is painful. But the pruning process is necessary so that we can bear more fruit for the Lord. And so I encourage us all today, if you find yourself in a situation where the life that you're currently living is out of alignment, ask yourself the question whether or not the way that you're living is conducive to the life that God would have for you to live. And if it's not, then maybe the process that God is taking you through is such to where you can learn the issues and the idols and the problems of the past. So that God can break those things from you so that you can live the life that God has meant you meant for you to live for his namesake. For many of us, we are blocking ourselves from having the good life. The good life doesn't always mean that it's going to feel good, but the good life is guaranteed that it is the life that God intended for us to live so that we can um, reflect his glory to the world. And when I say the world, I'm not talking about all 7 billion people. I'm talking about where he puts you. Wherever you are, that's where God meant for you to let your light shine before others so that they would see your good works and glorify God. And so the pruning process is such so that you can bear more fruit. The more fruit that you're bearing the more God, the more glory God's getting out of you. <clears throat> and so again, trust the process. It may hurt sometimes, but trust the process because it reveals. It reveals the things that are holding us back from being able to be more like Christ every single day. So don't despise the pain points. Learn from them so that you can be more like Jesus. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.
I want to take these last few minutes and just um, issue um, some changes that are happening to the True Gospel Morning Show. I want to start off by saying thank you. Um, over the course of this past month and some change, we have been, you know, diligently putting this show together for you guys. And I am so thankful for your viewership. I'm thankful for the likes. I'm thankful for the comments. I'm thankful for the shares. I'm thankful for the follows. Um, in this past month alone, I believe that we have grown, um, you know, to have, um, I think, three, maybe 300 additional followers um, just in this past month alone. And I am certainly grateful for every last one of y'all who are following the show um, and following what we're doing here. Um, and I, I love y'all um, to, 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 to the glory of God. Um, I want to thank y'all again so, so much for just for your support. Um, this show would not be happening without you. Um, and so I'm just grateful that God gives us this platform and this opportunity to be able to share wisdom, truth, and knowledge with you all in hopes that, you know, it's edifying the souls of those who are watching. Um, so I got plenty of good news. It's all good news. I'm, I'm, so let me, let me pet myself up. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I'm over here sounding like I'm so sad and all that. I'm, I'm happy. Very, very happy. So thank y'all. Once again, thank you so, so much for all the support. And thank you, um, Jess. I appreciate you. Um, thank you so, so much for your continued support. Um, and so um, just yesterday, we joined up with an agency, um, a TikTok agency known as New York Generation and Rain US. Um, not quite sure what that means for us, but, you know, my hope and expectation is that it will get more eyes on the show. Um, and so just grateful that we get to just send this show out to more people so that other people can hear about the goodness of Jesus and all that we're doing. And so uh, we joined up with them yesterday. Um, we, we contracted with them for the next five years. And so super excited about that and super happy, um, excited to see what becomes of that connection um, with them. Um, next week, we are going to begin. Um, a, we're going to revamp the True Gospel Morning Show. Um, and we're actually going to be doing um, little uh, different segments throughout the day. Um, those, seg those segments will include, um, you know, um, a news topic of the day. Um, we're going to talk about um, sanctification. Um, we're going to talk about whatever thought that I have on my mind um, that, that morning before, um, that morning as we're, as we're opening up the show. We're going to do a therapy note. Obviously, I talk to y'all a lot about clients and a lot about, um, you know, some issues that we deal with on the th on the therapy um, therapy side of things. Um, and so we're going to be talking about some of how to, you know, deal with our issues and our problems, but do it in a um, in a way that is glorifying to God. Um, to, so to help us how to deal with depression, anxiety, and those sort of things, getting to the root of problems and being able to solve them in a way um, that is glorifying to God. Um, we're also going to continue to do the questions from the chat. So again, any questions, comments, concerns that you have, the, continue to populate those things um, on the um, on the list that I have. And so we'll continue to do that as well. Um, and then we're also going to do something praiseworthy. Uh, so, you know, with all the bad news that's out there in the world, we're going to have some good news to end the show. Um, so that way we know that, you know, it's all there is there is some good things happening in the world. We may not be able to see them all the time, but there's some good news out there. And so, dog it, we're going to find it and we're going to talk about it. Um, and so um, and so we're going to again revamp the show um, so that we're able to do more and provide more of how, you know, scripture and God and Christ and the Holy Spirit speak to culture um, and the things that are going on in the world and how it, it impacts our daily lives. 
Um, so it'll be less Bible study oriented, although there will be a Bible study component, um, but it'll be less Bible study oriented and more culture oriented um, as we um, continue to, you know, try to apply the knowledge and the wisdom of the secrets of the kingdom to, you know, our daily, um, our daily, daily walk of life in um in the grateful expectation of what's coming um in the life to come and so again i'm super excited about it um we're gonna um roll that out on monday um and i'm really again i'm really excited about it and i hope that you guys are excited about it as well um and again it's going to be a great time in the name of the lord and so again super super duper excited about the changes that are coming to the true gospel morning show and again none of this will be possible without you guys Again, I thank you for the likes. I thank you for the comments. I thank you for the shares. I thank you for the gifts that are given. I thank you for just your viewership and your continued support. And even for those who are the unbelievers who come in and troll. I thank God for y'all. Because if y'all didn't troll, it wouldn't boost us. Um, and so I thank y'all even for coming in and saying what you have to say about how you feel about the Lord and how you feel about us and all that type of stuff. Because at the end of the day, all we're going to say in return, and y'all know what we say to him in return, right? God loves you and wants a relationship with you. So again, you know, we don't get caught up in arguments and disagreements with unbelievers. We just tell you God loves you, wants a relationship with you. Stick around and listen to what we have to say. But again, I love you guys so, so much. And thank you so, so much for all that you have done on today. Thank you for the 4,900 likes that we received today. Thank you for the gifts. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for everything that you guys are doing for us. And as always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.